Hi, this is Jeff Thigpen, Guilford County Register of Deeds. And I'm Carly Malcolm, lead for North Carolina Fellow for Guilford County from the UNC School of Government. And welcome to the Good Grief Podcast. Have you ever lost a loved one and had to figure out what to do? Have you ever felt alone and overwhelmed? Did it make you wonder why on earth this is all so complicated? In this podcast series, we bring together community partners to talk unapologetically about issues of death and dying. We answer questions about funerals, hospice, estates, and more to give our listeners the knowledge they need to make decisions for themselves and their loved ones. We want everyone in Guilford County to know that they're supported, that we live in a community where we cannot only live and live well, but when we die, we can also die well because we care. So we thank you for joining us for the Good Grief Podcast and for taking this step to be better prepared for end-of-life challenges. This is Jeff Thigpen, Guilford County Register of Deeds, and Carly Malcolm, NC Lead Fellow from the North Carolina Institute of Government. And welcome to the Good Grief Podcast. We're going to talk about death and taxes today. And I have no other person that I'd like to talk to about both than Guilford County Tax Director Ben Chavis. Ben received the 2018 Tax Collector of the Year Award for his outstanding work in Guilford County. Prior to his work in Guilford, he was the Tax Director in Randolph County. In addition, Ben is the pastor of Freedom Life Church in Ashboro, where he serves his congregation, dealing with many of the everyday issues of life and also at times issues of death, dying, and loss as a part of his ministry. Uh, Ben has a degree in business administration from UNC Pembroke. And Carly, when I introduced Ben, there are two things I know to be true. One is that he had a solid jump shot on the county basketball team. And uh, he's someone that I thoroughly enjoy working with as a colleague, a fellow department director, and most importantly, a friend. Mm -hmm. So thank you for being with us today, Ben. How did you get to Guilford County as tax director? Uh, (laughs) Very interesting. I guess uh, everyone refers to our profession as the uh, as the accidental profession. Uh, <laughs> nobody intended to get in this business, but somehow ended up in it. Uh, and that was me. Actually, I got a start in ministry before I got a start in, in the tax field. I um, where did you grow up? I grew up in Robinson County, okay. a small town there, Maxton. Maxton, which is one? just a little hole in the road. Still is. I probably always will be. But uh, just a very humble beginning. In a, in a rural country setting, but it just offered me so many life skills and just uh, glad, glad I've got that in my background. Yeah. And you went from there to UNC Pembroke and got your degree, and you said you got into ministry before you got into tax. And uh, so were you involved with a, a faith community there? And- I was uh, I was actually involved in a little church right there in my community, right down the road from where I lived. In fact, as a teenager, I'd walk to that church and really, that church changed my my life and my perspective on life. Really changed my future, and uh, really so, made a tremendous difference and impact on me as a person. So, when you got into the tax department field, was that in uh, Randolph County? Or? Actually, uh, what what happened there was I had graduated from UNCP in 1988, and uh, I was working uh, at a local hospital there, Scotland Memorial Hospital in Laurenburg. And um, I read in the newspaper about this job opening in Randolph County in, in the tax department, and it, it looked fulfilling. I said, hey, I'm going to give that a try. I had just graduated, so uh, lo and behold, uh, I'd never been away from home. And uh, the director offered me a position uh, to come and work there. And I worked there 19 years of my career and have spent the uh, last uh, 13 years here 
I think what really kind of guided me to Guilford County was the challenge of a larger jurisdiction. I love Randolph County, still live there. Fortunate enough, the commissioners allow me to still live there and work here. So uh, it really was a great transition for me and offered me a whole lot more challenge. And I've just enjoyed, and I plan to finish up my career here. I've been in this business 32 years now, and it's just been a, a just tremendous blessing in my life. You talked about earlier about death and taxes. It's it's amazing <laughs> that my being bivocational, it, I deal with both of those on the ministry front. One of the unfortunate things that, that I have to do is bury people. And then on the tax front, I collect taxes uh, and have been doing that for 30-some years of my life. Folks often refer to me as the Matthew. <laughs> the uh, Matthew. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the tax collector. And, yeah. and I've been called a lot of other names besides <laughs> Matthew, but... Um, <laughs> throughout my career. <laughs> and and when I tell people that I'm a Christian, I'm a minister, they say, how how do you do that? How do you how you how are you a tax collector and a preacher? I, that, those don't go together. Uh, much they, suffering. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. well, one of the things that we wanted to talk to you about today is land records information. Uh to shift gears slightly. Um, so why is it important for senior adults to know about land records? Well, land records is uh one of the very important things that we do, we maintain uh, the ownership and the land record information for every property in Guilford County. Of course, uh, that is the front end of our process, which directly flows from Jeff's office, the Register of Deeds. Uh, we've got an ele- electronic flow of data from his, his department into our software and updates the ownership information uh, pretty readily. Uh, when I first came to Guilford County 12 years ago, the ownership information was like from six months to 12 months old. So our data was not up to date. And our, this new software where we got really helped us advance in that regard. And now with it, we're within a week of the time that we get the data from Jeff's office over into the tax department. That new ownership information is there in our records. So the land records department obviously is the front end of our process and they drive everything that we do. They're the front end of our process and drive. Uh, everything that we do throughout. So uh, that's a very important part of what we do in maintaining uh, that ownership information, also the property boundary information uh, geographically on our maps and through our land records department. So we maintain the ownership and the uh, the land records piece. Um, and that is uh, depicted right on our website, and uh, individuals can track that information there, and the citizens uh, can view uh, that data. And they can help us uh, make sure that our data is accurate, which we want it to be. And we're glad to provide that through, through an online portal. Okay. And how does the tax department receive death and inheritance information? Is that an automatic process or how does that work? Well, I really wanted to kind of uh, dispel a uh, misnomer out there because uh, some folks think that we automatically get that information once an estate is filed. It works through that process, but it doesn't come to us automatically. So uh, we rely actually upon the owner of the property to notify us of that. And sometimes at the very end of that process, they're frustrated to find out that they didn't, uh, that they thought that information was automatically given to us from uh, from the clerk's office. So that information does not flow to us directly upon the death of someone or that inheritance information. We obviously need that information to be, we need to be notified by the owner that that has transpired. We also provide a form that individuals can fill out if they've lost a loved one due to death and they have ownership of property here in Guilford County. 
then there's a DIF notification form that is completed. We have that online. And what they'll need to do is simply complete that and provide us official copies of the death certificate and the will. And uh, we, in turn, from that information, we uh, update the information in our system to reflect the fact that that owner may have deceased and uh, that is now an heir's property. They can get that information to us by those documents by, by simply mailing them to us to our real estate transfer section of the Guilford County Tax Department. And our P.O. Box is a P.O. Box 3138 uh, here in Greensboro, 27402. And if they have any questions about an estate or a will following that, they can simply do that through the, the clerk's office or give them a call if they have questions at 336-412-7550. We definitely, uh, it's, it's vital that we receive that information and there's an assumption on the part of the owner that that information automatically flows over to us, but it does not. So it's very important that if you lose a loved one due to death and they own property or have ownership and property here in Guilford County, that that information gets conveyed to us so that we can update our records properly. Mm. Yeah, that's really important information. I appreciate you sharing that with us and with our listeners. In terms of local property tax, is there any relief available for senior adults? We do. It's really one of the few... uh, types of exclusions for an individual that are offered through the uh, local property tax system. Everything we do is mandated by the general statute in North Carolina, and uh, we follow a manual, if you will, referred to as the North Carolina Machinery Act, and it outlines all uh, all the ways there on the assessment and collection of tax level, how we're to conduct our business. One of the things that it does provide under the general statute is for individuals who uh, are eligible, they get an exclusion on, on their property tax that can actually uh, be significant savings for them annually in paying their local property tax on their on their home. And we obviously want everybody to take advantage of that. Uh, we provide that, that information online. And we also include that information in with the listing form uh, in January. So every property owner in Guilford County Every individual residence receives an application just in case they're eligible. We want them to complete that and return that back into us during the month of January. As far as uh, the qualifications for the program, there's actually three qualifications that have to be met. Number one, you've got to be a North Carolina resident. You've got to uh, not only be the resident of that property, but own the property and occupied as your permanent residence. And that means that if someone temporarily moves out of the home and uh, if it's for an extended period of time and they're not going to return to that residence and they're going to be in a rest home or under convalescent care and there's no hope of them returning home, then they probably would no longer qualify for the exclusion. And uh, also, uh, they must be at least 65 years of age or older, or they could be permanently disabled, as some folks are as declared by a North Carolina physician, and uh, they would be eligible under those two bases if they meet that age or disability requirement. And the third one is their annual income could not exceed $31,500. So what is the benefit if I meet those three requirements? That's rather significant in that the individual will be eligible for an exclusion of either $25,000 excluded from your property tax value, the appraised value or market value of your property, or 50% of your appraised value of your home. Typically, folks are qualifying at the 50% level, which is essentially to cut your property tax 
bill in half, a significant savings. Currently, we have about 7,000 residential properties in Guilford County that qualify for it. And I feel like there's probably a lot more individuals out there that qualify for this. And if they do, we certainly want them to take advantage of that. Kind of in association with that particular exemption, Carly, is uh, the DAV exemption, Disabled American Veterans. They can qualify for this exclusion I just explained if they meet all those requirements, or they could qualify under the other one, which excludes $45,000 in value of their property. So uh, there's a significant savings there for individuals who would qualify for, for these two programs. And certainly, uh, we want them to take advantage of it because of, of, of the citizens of Gifford County. Certainly, that sector of our population that is eligible for it needs to take advantage of it. And uh, thank you so much for asking about that. And we encourage folks to just reach out to us if they've got any questions along that line. That information is online and on our website. And uh, we've got a brochure out there that provides that information. Yeah, been my mom, who is now going to be 84 years old today, she found out about the exclusion, the homestead exclusion probably six or seven years ago. And it's made a huge difference for her. She's on a fixed income, you know, doesn't have a lot of extra money to spare. And this is a program that if you qualify or you're eligible or have questions, definitely follow up with the tax department about this. It can make a very big difference. And I appreciate you sharing that, Ben. I'm going to back up for a second uh, and transition back into your work within your faith community. Uh, and I know you, you mentioned early on that, you know, growing up in Maxton, you had a faith community down there that meant a lot to you and changed your life in a lot of ways. And then you now are the pastor of Freedom Life Church uh, in Ashboro. But talk to us about what led you into that journey and what was it that led you to where you are now? And by the way, I mean, I'm an elected official in Guilford County government. You're the tax director. Appointed. Appointed every two years, right? <laughs> I'm appointed every, well, I'm elected every four years. But these are spaces that we, you know, we have church and we have state. And we honor those. And, and I think in this podcast, we're going through them, you know, mm-hmm. in our capacities. And so I, I, I want to honor your whole person today um, in terms of both of your, your roles. And certainly that is the makeup of who I am. Right. You just described that. Yeah. And I appreciate that, Jeff, because uh, my faith uh, really carries me in so many other sectors of my life. And what, what really got me into that area was I was an 18-year-old, really searching for direction in my life, had not a clue about what I was going to do after high school. And I discovered faith uh, at 18. During that summer, straight out of high school, and through my faith, I began to get direction for my life, went to a local community college, and then uh, from there, I got a two-year degree from there, and then went on to UNC Pembroke. I got a four-year degree in business administration, but I tend to think that my faith really kind of uh, began to transport me through life and carry me to my destiny, and who knew that it would end up in, uh, in property tax, but it did. But uh, from there, and that was 1987. Well, actually, that was 1982. <laughs> I'm telling my age here. I'm, I'm, I'm getting to be in that uh, sector with a lot of the senior adults. So I'm getting close. That was 1982. I really struggled about where I went from there as far as my faith. And I was still in college trying to figure that out in 1987. I, I truly believe that as it relates to ministry, it's a calling. 
I felt like I, I just kept listening for the, to the voice of uh, the Lord to, to kind of direct me and guide me. And uh, I just kind of kept bartering with, with him and trying to escape my calling, so to speak, and uh, try to get away from that. And uh, I finally got to the place where I said, hey, I'm called. I have folks calling me before he called me. <laughs> uh-huh. And they were telling me, hey, you definitely got a, a calling on your life to do ministry. And I said, oh, I'll just wait on that. I get out of college or something. But in 1987, I just yielded to that, what I term a calling on my life. And I yielded to that. And, uh, and then, of course, the next year I graduated college and then went on this journey for the last 32 years of being in this business. I've been involved in ministry since 1982 mm-hmm. in that small local church, cutting the grass, cleaning the church, doing all those things you do in a small church, just learning to serve. My life has been blessed tremendously in that I have the opportunity to serve on both front fronts as a minister of the gospel. And in my capacity as a tax assessor, collector in Guilford County, serving the people of this great county, mm. 450,000 people of this county, I get an opportunity to serve them. And what greater thing could you ask for than an opportunity to serve? And the commissioners allow me to do that. And I try to serve them and serve the people uh, to the best of my ability. I think uh, myself and my staff do that on a daily basis. But again, to me, it's all driven out of my faith foundation. Mm. That's where it's all derived from. And both require somewhat of a pastoral influence. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in in many ways. Uh both within your church and when uh you know, when that taxpayer calls in and is a little upset about that bill. <laughs> and in your role as pastor of a con and, and serving a congregation, how does issues of grief and death and dying come into that space for you. Uh, I don't, you don't know this, but I listened to your sermon. Uh, I, well, it was a message on Facebook this weekend. And I particularly, for a, a, just a second, you acknowledge someone and a loss. Uh, I don't even know if you remember if you did that or not, but I remember that you did uh, in terms of listening to it. And I would expect in, well, in both roles, but in, in that role in particular, you are in general, helping people in life, like I said in the beginning, but also dealing with the issue of death and dying and grief. And so I guess what the question is, is what has been your approach to that space when you go into it in your faith life with well, your congregation? Really, what you, what you do is, you, to me, you, you approach it from a biblical perspective. The Bible has so many wonderful attributes about how you conduct yourself as a person and as a servant. I just simply identify with, with what the Scripture says in that we grieve with those that grieve and we rejoice with those that rejoice. So uh, to me, you just kind of, because I've had an opportunity to grieve myself. Last year, I lost my mother, mm-hmm. and I'm glad to hear you still got your mom. Yeah. Uh, she was really the only parent in my life that I ever knew. She really, really is at the very core of who I am because I saw her struggle so much in life. And, mm-hmm. it, it's made, and I, I swell up with tears even right now. Thinking about her, but because, uh, uh, and I hadn't planned on getting into this, but she had a stroke at 38 years of age. I was a senior. You talk about things that wow. change your life. I was a senior that year, December of 1981. I remember it like yesterday. I had just turned 18 on December 6th. So she has a stroke. She's 38. I watched her the rest of her life be permanently disabled on one side of her body, but yet that didn't stop her. And I just, many times I put myself, where my mom lived, 
just to see what she did to, to make life beautiful. She just made life beautiful with that kind of issue going on in her life. And last year, when I lost her in July of last year, I was in the hospital with her about a month. I, I stayed with her. Basically, I, I slept in the room with her mm. for about a month in Florence, South Carolina. The amazing thing that brought back to my, that came back to my mind was that she lived 38 years on one side of a stroke and 38 years on another side of a stroke, 76 years of her life. She lived physically with a, a, a capable body for 38 years, but then again, she had lived with a disabled body for 38 years, but yet she endured so much. And uh, really, that, that kind of helps me relate to other people because of what I've gone through personally and my faith. It drives me to and I identify with people. So when people are hurting, to be a minister and to have a, a great heart, you've got to be able to do that. So if I get a taxpayer who's going through a difficult situation, they maybe just lost their, their spouse. I try to, I first of all, say, hey, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry to hear you lost a loved one because I can relate to that. So you simply grieve with those who grieve and uh, you rejoice with those who rejoice. Thank you. Yeah, powerful. She uh, sounds like she has, she had the DNA of a monster truck. She did. <laughs> you know, that's why, that's how I describe my mom. And my mom went blind for a little while. I think all of us come to the table recognizing those in our lives that have struggled tremendously through physical pain, through situations that in the messiness of all of it, we draw strength. Um, yes. Yeah. Sounds like you've got a lot of wisdom out of that life. Um, just wrong. just by yeah. looking at her, examining her life, just being there for her. And that's mm -hmm. what people need, especially at end of, when we're talking about end-of-life issues. People just need, we, we don't need to forget this sector of our community. These people are treasures, and they have been there for us all those years. And the awesome thing, when I stood before that congregation doing my mom's service last year, was I could stand up there with a clear conscience knowing that I had done for my mother all that I could do. Mm. And really, that's what we owe that to people that are facing end-of-life issues and coming to the end of their journey on this earth. And we have an obligation to them. And sometimes they're forgotten entity uh, when they should be the most celebrated. We celebrate babies. We celebrate anniversaries. We celebrate all these. Why not celebrate somebody in their, in their, their twilight years? making sure that they're remembered uh, while, while, while you have them. Are there any other ways that end-of-life issues factor into your job in your ministry? I think I pretty well covered it all today. I, hadn't, yeah. I had not yeah. expected getting so personal, but, yeah. but that's who I am. I try to be transparent with people and uh, try to relate to people and identify with them. And I think that's why Jeff and I get along so good. Jeff's just real, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I like that about him. Uh, one of the things that we, Carly and I, have, have seen is the real need to be prepared and living in a culture in a lot of cases where we don't, where we don't see sometimes the preparation beforehand. And then before you know it, you may have a person in your congregation just looking a death of a loved one in the eye. And I'm sure you kind of see varying levels of preparation and thought that those families may have put into that moment. And we talked a little bit before the podcast about advanced directives and, you know, those kinds of preparatory things that probably make that transition go easier. I would close with this and simply say uh, what we've talked about today is preparation as far as 
making life easier on on your loved ones once you do pass that's very that's critically important that you take care of a lot of that paperwork deed work just being prepared to hand that off to your heirs and having everything in order because I, I I can tell you I have seen in this business so many times where that issue did not get resolved before the parent deceased, and it ends up being a source of contention with those that inherit the property because that had not been properly planned out. So to me, that is something you can prepare for. But as far as grief and when that uh, loved one is gone, and no matter how much you you prepare for that uh, emotionally, spiritually, I thought I was prepared to lose my mom because I was sitting there dealing with that issue, contemplating that for an entire month, thinking this is probably going to be the end. What did you learn from that that's helped you? Uh, That that you simply surrender as much as I wanted to keep her. We talked about her living 76 years. I wanted her to live 77. I wanted her to have another year. But she had been in in and out of the hospital like three times in 2019. And I just knew that things were not going to get better. And I think that what I learned was there comes a point you've got to release and let go. But it's something beyond your control. And I would say to those who, who grieve, I like to apply what the Scripture says about Moses when the Lord is speaking to Joshua, the heir apparent, to lead the people of Israel. He said to him, he says, stop your grieving. It's time to lead my people into the promised land. Mm. And basically, the Lord allowed them 30 days to grieve. And I know people may seem like that is cruel, that is harsh. But yes, you need to allow your period of time to grieve, but then you move on from that point. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I did with my mom. In fact, I was in my car on my way to the service, the funeral service, and it was like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, your grieving's over. And from that point forward, I did that sermon in celebration of a life for my mother because I felt like my grieving was over. My, I needed to start rejoicing. So we move from grief to rejoice. We can't live constantly in a state of grieving because it eventually will pull us down. And some folks never are able to get past grief, but Mm. you have to. And I'm not a counselor. I'm not a professional. And certainly they might need some help and assistance in doing that. But that's my perspective on grieving, that you allow yourself a period of time to grieve, to weep, and to get every emotion out. Don't hold it in. Let it be released. And then you you simply move on with life. Yeah. I know Carly and I have done a number of these podcasts. And what you're saying is so important. And it goes into several spaces. But most notably, I'm thinking about caregiving um, because we've had several interviews. Odell Cleveland uh, writing a book about caregiving, as well as uh, Pam Strader. And and also within faith traditions, we, we uh, had a person from the Jewish faith talk about the grieving process in the Jewish community, which in some cases is similar in the Islamic community as well. So we're learning these connections. But the heart of what you're saying is that life and death are interconnected in a lot of ways. And we are born, we live, and then we and our loved ones die and we mourn them. And it's natural. And it's also natural to then live again. 
And part of that life cycle process and part of, dare I say, the faith tradition is to live fully. And that's all connected. And it sounds like when you got up and talked about your mom, it was probably one heck of a message. (laughs) I I, I felt inspired because my mom lived that kind of life. She overcame so much. She she just overwhelmed by so much, but yet she persevered. And that's part of, like you said, life. Grieving is a part of life, but then you bounce back and uh, you allow life to return. And I'm sure my mom wouldn't want me to, and I don't think most of our loved ones that have passed on would want us to grieve over them being gone. They want us to eventually move on with our life. They want us to live life to its fullest. Thank you. Ben Chavis, to get more information about Guilford County Tax Department, please go to the Guilford County webpage. You can pull up the tax department there to learn more about Freedom Life Church in Ashboro. They have a Facebook page, or you can try to befriend Ben on Facebook and listen to his messages. Now, on behalf of Carly Malcolm, the NC Lee Fellow from the Institute of Government, and myself, we'd like to thank you, Ben Chavis, for being a part of the Good Grief Podcast. Thank, thank you so much for having me today. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Good Grief Podcast. We want your feedback. You can visit our website at www.guilforddeeds.com. You can also email us at endoflife at guilfordcountync.gov or find us on Twitter with the handle at guilford underscore ROD. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and until next time, take care.